Praise God. God bless you. Good to be here. Welcome back. I know young ladies were traveling. You're welcome. Anyone else who is traveling, you're welcome. I know God takes care of us. We have travel mercies. People are going and coming. We put the Lord first in our lives. Uh, life is a challenge. If you don't know it by now, then you'll never know it. You know, we're not living. If you're, not, if you're living, you are going to have challenges in life. Whether we accept or not, there's, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And there's a spirit of lethargy in the world. There's a spirit of confusion. There's a spirit of division. There's a spirit that gets in people's psych, psychic and they tries to confuse. And we just need to be in our word to continually God to give us clarity. Praise God. Because we're living our challenging times. Look at what's happening around the world. You know, they're saying light is darkness and darkness is light. And we encounter so many things that we have to overcome every day. The most important thing is ourselves. And if we're centered on God, when Noah was building the ark with his family, everyone was laughing at him. And so safety measures, we put safety measures first. He took precautions. He heard the voice of God and he was building the ark. And they thought there was no relevance for it. There was no reason to have an ark in a desert situation. But he was still building the ark. And in our lives, we don't know the challenges we'll encounter. So we have to build our spiritual lives, a spiritual house, our spiritual ark. Because when the floods come, it's going to shock everyone. Because when it overtakes others, it will elevate us. Those on the ark were elevated and everyone else was brought down. The waters flooded and removed many people, whereas it preserved, became the salvation for Noah and his family and everyone on the ark. We need to prepare. And as they often say, the old adage, if you're not preparing to win, you're preparing to lose. We need to prepare our spiritual lives because the devil's not going to pull punches. He's going to come and hit you with the best that he has. And unless you're fortified in the Lord, you'll become a casualty of demonic powers. I've been on this walk for many years. I've seen people come and go. I've seen the mighty fall oftentimes because they don't make take precaution for their spiritual lives. And we need to be continually reminded. And every day we start the day with God and we end the day with God. And when the Lord was speaking to me the past week in prayer, and often people say, Lord, you died for me that I will live for you. But God is saying, coming to a point and saying, will you die for me? Will you die for me? Yes, it's easy to live for me. It's easy to live with my favor and my blessings. It's easy to live with my promises. But will you die for me? Will you count the cost and turn away from every distraction and really focus on me? Will you die for me? And how do you die for me? The apostle Paul says, I die for the Lord daily. In Christ, I die daily. Do we die to self daily? And that's the profound question we need to answer. Because the old man tries to rise. It's like weeds. The old man is like a weed. You don't plant the weeds in your garden. They just grow. You know about gardening. Uh, um, Deacon John knows about gardening. Is that right? Do you plant weeds in your garden? No, you don't. The old man is the weed of our existence. And he grows without our consent. And unless we have the weed killer of the Spirit of God, we become victims of the old mindsets. And that's why Paul says, deny, turn away from the old man. Let the old man die. Die to your old self and live in you. Refresh every day a new day. Empowerment. Isaiah says, them that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. 
It's not waiting upon the government. It's not waiting upon the family. It's not waiting upon the system. It's waiting upon the Lord. And that's where you're empowered. Hallelujah. I'm busy every day doing kingdom business. Last week on the Monday, we planted the church in China. We published the fourth. Praise God. We celebrate. One, when one person comes, repents and comes to the Lord, the whole angels in heaven rejoice. And we just become blasé and become as a matter of fact about the kingdom business. We must be rejoicing. We must bring the souls into the ark of salvation. Why it is day, night is coming when no one can work, praise God. And we're just in the process of planting a church in Beijing. We've got ministers there prepared for Beijing in China. We're just speaking about planting a church in Los Angeles. I just put the, the structure for the church governance in Los Angeles. And we already have 50 plus membership of the church in, in Los Angeles. Up to Could be up to 200 people. But I'm telling you, there is revival. And we need to go back to that excitement of the word of God. And ACC, praise God. Hallelujah. We're on the winning side. With the battle has already been won. We're just walking in that joy of the Lord. And if you're losing, if you don't receive that joy, you need to reset spiritually. You need to go back to Christ-centeredness spiritually. You need to come back to the word and let God really instill himself, establish himself in your heart. Examine ourselves, whether Christ is in us, lest we are become disqualified. And the devil wants to rob us. He's a thief. That's, what, that's the nature of what a thief does. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy but the Lord has come to give life and that in abundance. Hallelujah. I was, the Lord spoke to me really profoundly this past, well, it continually speaks to us, but very much so now about this time. And there's many people around my life, I know they're busy toiling with life, trying to get this, trying to get that. And God is saying to people, be still and know that I'm God. And I, the, the God asked me to ask a question. The Lord asked me, inspired me to ask a question to certain individuals that I was speaking to, and I said, are you living or are you just existing? Are you living or are you existing? God hasn't called us to exist. He's called us to live in his abundance. And the abundance is not monetary. It's about a peaceful disposition. Hallelujah. And that's the message I always bring to the church. Be Christ-centeredness. Because everything else will be left behind. I haven't seen anyone take anything with them. Everything, all you take is your, what you have done, your faith and your relationship with the Lord. That's what it's about. That's what we preach. Hallelujah. Christ crucified and resurrected, praise God. That's really all I want to know. And I just want to look at the landscape, the prophetic landscape this evening. It's very important to see the calendar prophetically where we are. Amen, praise God. We want to see the prophetic landscape. And see what happened, the past, present, and future. Because prophecy works in different ways. You can have a word, a revelation of something that God has done. That's also prophetic. To qualify what God will say, the next step, the next move of God. And when we look over the landscape, the trace, the, the, the history coming to where we are now. We see, when we know that the word of God is so true, so profound, so, so amazing, amazingly accurate. We cannot ignore it and we cannot overlook it. I was last week, as I shared with you, I went to see that, that film, the documentary type of film, uh, The Jesus Revolution, was powerful. 
And it's still resonating, still vibrating, still moving on. Uh, it's still uh, uh, spilling over to our generation because of the birth of that. And every, every epoch, there is, there, is, um, there is a move of God. And I'm speaking with uh, Reverend and Bishop-elect uh, Chuka, who were just speaking about Nigeria now. We're planning a, a, a big crusade, and he wants to plan with his ministers over there. Very big crusade to touch what happened before a million-person crusade in Nigeria. We're, look, we're looking. There's no limitations. What God can do if we trust God, we may not in ourselves see it, but God sees it. You know, when 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 you many people were written off, but they had a belief, and their belief became a reality. A few handful of men and women. At the apostolic age, change the whole world. Come on, I wish I was speaking. And not change the whole world when they were, they were accepted and they were celebrated. They changed the world in the face of rejection, in the face of persecution, in the face of martyrdom. The world had changed. That's why the Lord says, it's well, it's good. It's, it, 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 you can very well live for me, but will you die for me? Praise God. And it's about dying to the old self, really, because the old self raises his, his or her head all the time, all, all the time, what we're seeing happening around. So I want to look at, touch upon, look at the prophetic landscape, the prophetic calendar, and, see, and to understand what's happening now, we need to look back in the past to see how we navigate the future, how we move on. Because there'll come a time, and you know the system's trying to control, close in, we are being closed in. It's like with Pharaoh, Penny alluded, actually touched upon that. Pharaoh gave them more work that they can be preoccupied, that they cannot think about God. Yeah? And so we need to take, step, come away from that magnetical pull and step aside and say, Lord, you're our only hope. You're the only way forward. And when Pharaoh allowed them to pray, when they were in Goshen, he said, you can go thus far, but don't go too far. You, he puts us on a leash that we can only thus far, and we can only uh, attain that level of relationship, and not really relationship, religion, and then come back to our, our taskmasters. The world becomes the taskmaster. And sometimes we become taskmasters over ourselves and over other people. And we need to stop behaving this way and be set free. Because if you know the truth, the truth will set you free, praise God. Hallelujah. And there is a revolution taking place. Wake up. There's a spiritual revolution. Hallelujah. And so we'll look at the, the landscape. And, we, and if we look at just, just a few points that I've touched upon before. Revelation chapter, and we're looking at the time scale, the, the prophetic calendar, and see where approximately where we are with what's happening on the prophetic landscape. And if we look at Revelation chapter 16, verse 12, this is what John records for our benefit, praise God. He says, then the sixth angel poured out his bowl on this great river, Euphrates. And it says, and its water was dried up so that the way of the kings from the east might be prepared. Okay, so we see now what's happening around the world. We see the Euphrates as it stands now. And you have to remember when John recorded this, the Euphrates was the biggest river of its day in that region. And it would have been unthought, uh, unthought you couldn't think about this, it would be something nonsensical to think that that river could dry up. And for whatever reason, whether 
Turkey or what nations or Syria, whatever they're building dams to block the river's flow, that's not the significance. The significance is that it was predicted that this event would take place. And now the Euphrates is dry and people can walk across the Euphrates. It's not a coincidence. That detail is not the probability for that prophecy to be fulfilled. You cannot have the, 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 mathem, the mathematical formula to actually calculate what it, would, what it takes, the, the, the probability for that one prophecy to actually be fulfilled is unheard heard, heard of. And un, you couldn't think about these things. And we see today in our generation the, this actual event or this actual thing is actually taking place, praise God. And then we have John recording other things in, in the book of Revelation, other truths and prophet, prophecies. In it. If we go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 16, this is what we're told here. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, verse 17, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Well, again, John, it was beyond the technology to make this a reality, to facilitate this, was not even thought of, could not even, could not even be envisioned in any, on any level in his mind to make these proclamations and prophecies. There's no reference. There's no reference point. He has no technology, no mechanism that relates to this, that people can be controlled without having an identity of some time that is imposed upon them by a system. And I want to welcome people watching live stream. Okay? Today, you drive in any high road in North London, Palmer's Green, Witchmore Hill, try and park your car without dialing in and using numbers. Try parking your car. You have to have a credit system. No, there's it's a cashless society. You try going somewhere, some of the restaurants in central London, you will not be able to have a meal, purchase anything without a number. Without, they don't use cash, they use a number system. Now, this is thing you say, well, it might be a coincidence. It might, John might be saying something else. It's very, there's so many similarities there that you, 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 you know, if you're thinking that it's, it's crazy. We have the Euphrates drying. John rolls about it. We have a cashless society. You can't buy a so Today, you cannot buy unless you have a number. Social security, you cannot work even unless you have a number. Yeah. No, how does John come to those that understand it? It's in the spirit. The same way Moses recorded certain things and proclaimed things in the future, he made certain declarations about the past. The future was correct, therefore the past is correct. Yeah? So we need to think about these things, be prayerful. So before you get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life, start thinking about spirituality because everything's closing in on the people of God. Because the one truth the devil doesn't like is Jesus Christ. He doesn't care about any other system. It's Jesus Christ who's a threat to him.
because he's the truth. He's the way and he's the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. Praise God. Revelation chapter 11 verse 8. Watch this. It says this, and their dead bodies, these are the two prophets, the olive trees, that stood prophesying against Antichrist, that fire could proceed from their mouth. They were slain. And, and it says their dead bodies will lie in the streets of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt. It's spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, alluding to Jerusalem. Yeah. It says, so it says, it's called Sodom and Egypt, where our, also our Lord was crucified. So the turn, the peace of God, because Jerusalem means peace, into a Sodom and an Egypt. And I want you to research what these two nations actually represent. Okay? Where, they, where also our Lord was crucified. Because when these attitudes come around, Christ becomes crucified. We crucify Christ when we practice things that are not from God. Now, read the next verse. Then those from the people's tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. How does all the tongues and people and nations see this event? Is it not through the satellite, uh, the, the media, the television? Yeah? John doesn't know that all nations can see an event happen in Jerusalem. We see what's happening in Jerusalem every day with, with, with the, the, the conflict between the Palestinians and the Jewish people. We see that happening what we saw on our newsreels. So again, we have speaking about the Euphrates, speaking about cashless society, speaking about how people can see things. from They're not spiritual, they're not visionaries, but yet they'll be able to see, says, we'll see their dead bodies three and a half days, and we'll see their dead bodies three and a half days, and we'll not allow their dead bodies to be put into the graves. They'll use them as a spectacle, as a prize, as a spoil. Verse 10, verse 10, let's just move on. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over, over them, make merry and give gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth because the world doesn't want to hear that it is wrong. When you correct someone, they become offended and they come against you because they don't want the truth. I'm not here to massage people's egos or tell people what they want to hear. We're here to speak the truth because that truth will liberate them, not just here, but eternally. Amen. If you want cheerleaders, you're in the wrong place. We're here to be the mouth and voice of God. But humanity and carnality cannot take that. It's an offense to the world to hear the things of God. And when these prophets were prophesying, speaking the truth of God, repent and get yourself right, change your attitude, change your mind, it was an offense to the world. So they slayed them like they did the master himself, and they rejoiced and gave gifts that the problem that they had was taken out of the way. And people, truth is a torment. Truth is offensive. It says two prophets because th these two prophets tormented. The demons came to Jesus. Why are you tormenting us? Before our time. Truth torments the old man. That's why the old man cannot coexist with the new things of God because the old man has to die. Be careful because in the same way Christ resurrected, the old man can also be resurrected. 
The devil is a good magician. I wish I'm speaking to someone today. Hallelujah. We need to wake up to reality. Let's come back to our spiritual center and see what God is saying to us. So we see three. So if one could have been a coincidence, two could have been a coincidence. Come on, a hundred, hundreds cannot be coincidences. We're going to explore some, some of the prophetic landscape and see more what's going on here. The, th- the fourth prophecy I want to touch upon is very significant, very interesting, because it alludes to the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, proclaimed that every stone will be turned upside down. Will not left be will not let left be standing in Jerusalem when he was speaking about the physical temple because he is the spiritual temple and the third temple has been built because it's the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who said in three days destroy this temple and in three days I will rebuild it the third day he rebuilt the spiritual temple Solomon's temple he is Solomon he is the wise of the wise Hallelujah and the temple of has been rebuilt praise God. And now the temple exists in you and I. Because now we are the temple of God. And the Spirit of God dwells in us, praise God. But beware that lest the devil takes a foothold. Because the devil wants to come into the temple of God and make himself God in the temple of God. But he has to defraud God. And how does he defraud God? When we turn away from God and let the carnal man take over. The devil can enter and reign in our hearts. I wish I'm speaking to someone. For this purpose, Jesus says, I was born to preach the truth. And everyone who's called by God for this purpose were we born, to preach the gospel. In spite of being liked and disliked, in spite of being accepted and rejected, we're here to preach the truth because it's the truth that sustains and sets us free. And we need to move the same direction as a church. That's why we're seeing revival all over the world. Because of neology, because of prayer, because of sacrifice. Didn't just happen. Doesn't drop out the sky. Because God opens the doors and dots and joins the dots and we move forward. And if you're not going to move forward, get out of the way because we're going to move forward. Don't block the gangway. We're moving forward. And if you're blocking the gap, we're going to climb over you. If you're not moving out the way, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to send over you. And so the third is the physical evidence, which is the last piece of the jigsaw puzzle. And we're seeing uh, being unfolded before our very eyes. This is where Armageddon's going to take. And if you people think, <laughs> John spoke about the drying of Euphrates. That came to pass. God spoke about the, the, the cashless society. Coming to pass. God sp- uh, John spoke about uh, the satellite of people seeing. It came to pass. God spoke about the great battle of Armageddon. If those three came to pass, what are the chances, the probability, the last things will come to pass? That's why the church needs to wake up. We're not playing church. And so Jesus, this is the master's words himself in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. This is what Jesus said. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Not knowledge, and let him. And how does one understand? He says, the Holy Spirit, those who have the Spirit will, need to, will understand. He who has wisdom will understand. The, wisdom, the, the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives the wisdom. Unfortunately, we have a lot of people who have knowledge but no wisdom. They have information and no understanding. 
Hallelujah. And the fundamental, the basic criteria to be a deacon in the house of God. Let me just pass over to Acts chapter 6 verse 3. Please watch this very carefully. And we need to desire that. There, your, we have, there's, a spirit, there's a reality in the spirit. We need to desire that. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. What do, what's the criteria for them to be waiters? We think it's too hard for us to move a chair sometimes. We think it's too much for us to pick a bit of rubbish off the floor. We think it's too much for us to go and to stand uh, on the street and share the love of God, to do a soup kitchen, or do a, a breakfast club. We think that's, that's beneath us. But these people, to be able to just serve a table or be a waiter and pick up the rubbish, the disciples, they were no different to the disciples. The disciples had to do the same thing. And we think things are beneath us or we don't have enough time. No, make the time. Because if you don't make the time with God, why do we expect God to make the time for us? So have to have a good reputation, meaning have to have a character. Yeah? Full of what? The Holy Spirit. And wisdom. Who we may appoint over this business. It wasn't to stand on the pulpit to preach. Because as you read on in chapter 6, what it says here is that the apostles were preaching while they were serving the tables. And while they served the tables, the apostles were preaching and the church increased. But to serve the tables, they had to have the Holy Spirit because they must not be partial. They must not be have favorites. They must look at everyone on an equal part, equal playing field. And love is not discriminate. You don't discriminate for the love of God. You love everyone equally. Even your enemy, you have to love. You mean Jesus, I have to love that one who slapped me the other day. I have to love that one who, who misled me or who deceived me. Love them. What makes you different to them if you're driven by the weeds of the old man? Put the weed killer down and let that new man rise in power and celebrate who God created you to be. There's no greater thing to stand with your head, shoulders high and your head held up and, and know that you are son or daughter of God without reproach, that you reflect that love. Hallelujah. I was speaking to Pastor Andrew the other day, and he was telling me a story, recounting a story about somebody who was, they felt hard done by by someone, and they were angry. And they were saying, well, I'm, I'm, I'm praying to God. And, 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 the, and the, the person says, let's, let's pray the Lord's Prayer to get focus. So I pray in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My kingdom come, my will be done. He says, so in one second, he goes, you've said the prayer wrong. He says, how did I say it wrong? He says, no, it's not my will be done. It's his will. No, no, no. But in this situation, it's your will, isn't it? <laughs> no, I, I, we're reading all different scripts. But I thought you said that you are upset. You're this and that. So when you're praying, your kingdom come, my will be done. But what is the Lord's prayer says? Forgive us our trespasses. Lord, you follow my example because I'm the forgiver. And Lord, I put myself first. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive others. 
It's the, it's, it's the, you cannot have it both ways. Either you're in Christ or you're not in Christ. You're in the world or you're not in the world. It, it, it's about following the leading of the Lord, becoming selfless and letting God take control. That's what I confessed when 36 years ago, when I came to the Lord, I denied everything. Yes, I live in the world. I do things in the world. I'm involved in many things in the world. But I'm never, my centralization is Jesus Christ. If I have something, I rejoice. If I don't have something, I rejoice. I'm not basing my life on anything in material in this world. And God prospers me materially and spiritually because of that fact. When, was, when God spoke to Solomon, he said, what do you want? Ask me and I'll give it to you. He said, I want your wisdom. I want wisdom. He said, because you have asked for wisdom, I'm going to make you the richest man in the world. And when you put God first, he prospers you. He, he makes you rich, spirit, soul, and body on every level level because he knows that will not influence you to change the message that's what's important it's that relationship with God if anyone takes that away from you you've lost everything you may have all the material in the world if that relationship is taken from you of the Lord being central, you, ha you have become a casualty of the demonic powers. And I've come here today to tell everyone on the wavelengths and everyone here, let's come back to the center of God. Because everyone wants Jesus now. There is revival. China wants Jesus now. America wants Jesus now. People say, well, America's a no, America needs Jesus now. The world needs Jesus now. You are the only light hope in this world. The world is a black hole. It's absent of the light of any truth. It draws, it, it draws everywhere, everything to itself. And we need to have the light to disperse that darkness and give people opportunity to come to truth that God willing, they may, might be saved. Amen. But it's always a choice. People have to desire it. I can't force someone into the kingdom. I can invite them. Jesus never dragged anyone. He invited them. I've been preaching for nearly 36 years now, Reverend Chuka, And I've never deviated from that. And the thing is that I've seen people come and go. I've seen people promise they'll die for the gospel. I'm still here. Because if it's real, it's real. You always revert back to nature. And when your nature is chained to Christ, come what may, you always revert back. You're always that. You walk in that nature. And when God changes your life, the acid test is throw everything at you, plus the kitchen sink, and see if you're still standing and praising the Lord. Because it's easy to praise the Lord when the sun is shining. When you've got a big bank account and you've got all your friends tapping your back. But it's hard when adversity kicks in and you're thrown a, a curved ball, your side swiped. It's difficult sometimes. That's when you know what you know what is. And sometimes God allows it, like with the prophets, to see what's inside of them. Jonah ran off. He put him in the belly of the, of the sea creature. Hallelujah. Praise God. So this is the criteria, brethren. Uh, Jesus says, he says, whoever reads, let him understand. We read, but we don't understand because Christ is not 
the top of our priority or the Holy Spirit or the spiritual things because we're, too, we're, we're drawn back into worldly things, yeah? And we're not, we're not, we don't desire. That's not important. That's not the priority. And because it's not the priority, God gives us the desire of our hearts. Hallelujah. Read the Beatitudes. Read the Sermon on the Mount. That's the standard we measure our, our relationship with God by. That is the, don't put Paul aside. Read the Sermon on the Mount. And if it doesn't get you to sweat under the collar, and for my goodness, the standard is more demanding than the law of Moses. At least, at least the law of Moses is an eye for an eye, two for a two. If someone hits you, hit them back. Jesus says, if someone hits you, you turn, let them hit the other cheek. <laughs> That's a different demand. He says, the law of Moses, if, you, if, you, if you've been with a woman, you've committed adultery. Jesus says, if you looked on a woman, you've committed adultery. Adultery is in the heart. It's not the action. It's the thought that is, 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 is guilty. Not the act. The act is the byproduct of the entertainment of the thought. He says, Old Testament, kill your enemies. The New Testament, love your enemies. Do good to them. Pray for them. That's the acid test. That's the level. Where am I in God? It's not something we want to hear because we want people to support how we feel. But God doesn't go by the feelings because feelings are misleading because feelings are connected to the psychicon. Paul says, let me put 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. Very quickly. I'm going to read it in Greek, then I'll read it in English. Psychicos de anthropos, oh, dejete. I translate it how it should be translated. Let me just read the English, the translation. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit. Does not receive the... Let me, let me read the Greek. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, Psychos de anthropos, the emotional man, does not accept... does not accept the things of the Spirit. It's not just receiving them, doesn't accept them. It's a different, gives a different connotation. Okay, the things of God. Now, so this is what we need to understand. Do we want to be spiritual? If we do, there's always hope. God is the God of their gain. When, when, when Peter denied him three times, he didn't give up on him, did he? He went and saw him at the... He, Jesus went to them. Yeah? Even after the rain, he breathed on them. He met them in the upper room, huddled together. And then he went to the shore of their life. When they went back again, and he asked Peter, do you love me more than these? Give an opportunity. And I believe God is extending this to Christendom, not just to ACC, to the world today because God's breaking through. There's a big breakthrough. There's a big revolution taking place. I'm not saying coming. It's already here. There's a big revolution. In spite of what you're seeing, you're only seeing a small percent of what the world wants to show you. They're not the majority of what God is doing. This is all fake. This is a red herring. This is all entertainment. This is a sideshow. We are the main event. Hallelujah. 
We are the main event. Hallelujah. I'm on different platforms, different forums. I speak to people all over the world every day on an everyday, ba- on an everyday basis. Believe me, there are more for us than those against us. Hallelujah. We praise God on that. And so Jesus says, when you see the abomination of desolations spoken by, of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, he says, whoever reads, let him understand. Then he goes on to say, the next verse, if we just go to, this is uh, Matthew 24, 24, verse 15, go to verse 16. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Take your mind upward. Put, raise your mind to the heavenly places. Look up from whence your salvation comes. My salvation comes from, my, from the Lord, from the hills. It's, it's the upper plain, that salvation. We, we, see, we look up, we see the godly things of God. That's when Jesus shared the Beatitudes. He started the Sermon on the Mount. He ascended the mountain. He would go in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. He didn't go down. He went up on the mountain. And when he had was seated, disciples came to him. So he went up and invited disciples, came unto him, ascended the mountain with him. So when we see the abomination taking place as Daniel spoke in the holy place, standing in the holy place, those who are injured, they flee to the mountain. Rise your thoughts. Lift your mind up to heavenly things. Yeah? And that's the desire. So the devil wants... A physical temple to be built that he will occupy and enthrone himself as God. And the worldly powers will assist him to make that take place. How it will take place, it's up to them. We're not concerned about that. We're concerned about our relationship with God. That's what's important to us. And sharing that light to other people and give them the, the word of life, of truth, of salvation. Hallelujah. That's what we're, and the devil wants to stop us doing this by preoccupying us with the sideshow that we're not seeing that we are the main event. Come on. And so when Paul tells us, Christ, the end is not going to come until this event takes place. This has to take place. And we saw what John told us. He spoke about a number of things. We saw them fulfilled. I won't recap them again. You can look at them on the archives. But this is what Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. This is what Paul tells us who, about the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. That's the ultimate desire of the devil to be worshipped, to be God. But he doesn't have the capacity to be God because he cannot create. All he can do is destroy. The attributes of God is a creator. The devil hasn't created anything. He wants to take what other people have built on. He wants to take what other people have achieved. Jealousies, envies, covetous. This is the, the passions, the traits, the vices of the devil. The sons and daughters of God celebrate when people move on. Celebrate when people are saved. Celebrate when people are built up and raised up and restored. Celebrate that. The devil is grieved, embittered, he's angry when people are elevated. He wants them to come down. Why? Because he's down in the first place. And he cannot go up. Why? Because he's cursed to slide on his belly all the days of his existence. Eating earth. But because we're heavenly, he cannot grasp us there. So he wants to bring us back on the earth to grab us from the earth because we were from earth and he's, and he's got the right to eat the dust of the earth. 
Well, if we're in the seated in Christ Jesus, he's no access to us. So he can shout to us and get us to topple over so we fall off and he consumes us. The devil has no power over you unless you step out of your lane or out of your domain or your mode that God's called you into. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So we're touching upon prophecy and fulfillment. And we see these events will come and will be fulfilled. Amen. Praise God. And we've got to be very careful as, as uh, Peter tells us. First Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 says this, Resist him. Detach, resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. I mean, that we are in a battle. There's a warfare taking place continually. We stand in solidarity together with the brethren in the Lord. Psalm 133 verse 1 tells us this. It says this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The power from on high was unleashed through the unity of the believers at Pentecost. The heavens were open. There was a mighty wind. And we're told they were with one accord. They were united in one accord. And they were powerful. And when we come, unity is powerful, church. When you become united, you see what can be accomplished. Hallelujah. It's powerful. Praise the Lord. So I want to encourage you. Let me go back to Psalm 133, verse, verse 2. It says this. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. That's the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. And the anointing flows from the head. And it's the Holy Spirit represented in the oil coming down. And that's why it says those be, have, be, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need that spiritual empowerment. And I'm saying people watching live stream, if last week you've had the battle, you've had the challenge, God is here. He's on our side to restore us, to empower us, to equip us, to move on and make the difference. Because you're not just saved for yourself. You're a gift unto the world because your gifts are gifts that God wants to use for the world. He wants to use you as his, as his ambassador, as his representative unto the world. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we see, we see the word of God is powerful. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. Hallelujah. It's time to sharpen our, our swords. Iron sharpens iron, and it comes through the word. It's the word of God that sharpens our, our spiritual uh, focus. Hallelujah. Praise God. I want to finish this evening with one of the Old Testament types of Christ, just to look at it uh, just in, a, in, a, in slight detail. This is, I want to look at Melchizedek. Praise God. I want to look at Melchizedek. He's a mysterious figure, king of Salem which means king of Jerusalem. He was a king and priest, and he was a type of Jesus Christ, a representative of Jesus Christ beforehand, prefigured beforehand. And who does he meet? He meets Abraham before he becomes Abraham. And that's why Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw my day, and he was glad. They said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham. He said to him, before Abraham was, I am. I am the creator. I am. Hallelujah. I'm the, I am who revealed himself to Moses. I appeared to the patriarchs, the prophets, in many different forms. 
many different ways, but I am. And what it say about, about Melchizedek here in, in uh, Genesis? Let's just look at a few of the passages. Genesis chapter uh, 14, verse 18, it says this. After uh, uh, Abraham's, Lot, Abraham's nephew Lot was taken captive by the four kings against the five kings of Sodom, and Abraham went after them, pursued them with 318 of his servants that he, from his own household, that he trained and he nurtured himself, praise God, and the church itself will raise up its leaders. We don't want leaders from outside to be qualified outside. We want people to be qualified in the house of God with the principles, the statutes, the understanding of the Spirit of God and in field of the Spirit of God. So they had 318 of his prized servants go against the four kingdoms. Can you believe that? The battle. And he had the victory. He came back. Hallelujah. With his, with his troop. And he brought Lot back with himself. He brought the captives back. And that's what Jesus did. He came to set the captives free, to take us out of the stronghold, the bondage of satanic powers. Hallelujah. Well, watch this. The Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of, the, of God Most High. He was a priest of the Lord of God Most High. He was a priest and king. He says, Melchizedek, king. Then he says, priest. There's only one king priest I know, and that's Jesus Christ. The, the, the kingship and priesthood never mixed in the Old Testament. You had this distinction between a prophet, king, and priest, where Jesus is not just a king, not just a priest, but he's also the prophet that Moses alluded, spoke about, that will come after him, that he tells them, him you must hear. Amen. Hallelujah, praise God. I wish we are waking up. Hallelujah. We're here to celebrate. We're here to make a shout for the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. God has raised an army, raising an army, and will raise an army. Hallelujah. For his glory. And we're all going to be lights in whatever capacity God's called us. We're going to shine his light in the world. Hallelujah. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Well, I'm not going to let it shine. God's going to naturally shine for me if I give him the space to shine his light through my life. And how does the light shine? My actions are a revelation of how my light shines. How does we sing this song, little chorus, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. But what do we mean by this? Have you got a little light shining, physical lights? Let me turn all the lights off. Can we turn all the lights off very quickly, please? Turn all the lights off. Let's see who's got the light shining. There you go, there's a light shining there. All the lights off. What about behind me? You've got lights behind me. Turn those off as well. Now turn all the lights off the building. Let's turn all the lights off. Turn everything off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. All the lights off. And the screen as well. Turn the screens off. Turn everything off. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Turn everything off. I want everything off. Or your phones off, please, as well. Turn everything off. My screens as well. Everything. Something's coming out of the back. And turn everything off. Come on. Those who see in darkness have seen a greater. Turn everything off. Come on. Everything off, please. Come on. The light behind me, everything off. Hallelujah, praise God. There's a candle there. There's only one candle. But turn the lights behind me. There's something gone behind me. Can we turn all the things off, please? Is everyone scared of the dark? No. All right, we're doing, we're doing fine. Mind your head on that thing there. Right, everything, and that thing off there. Everything off. Now, can you... The light doesn't want to turn off. It's gone off now. Yes. Well, we've got a few lights, obviously, there. But I'm just saying to say, can you make a form or a shape? Can you see clearly until your eyes adjust to the darkness? Your, 
and, and we're sitting in this condition. But let me say this is a metaphor because people come to churches and spiritually this is the condition they receive the message in. Wake up Israel. People, you're seeing physical what happens spiritually. People come to church. What I've just ministered to you is a, is a profound message that the devil didn't want me to minister. Because the devil, what the people don't want to hear that they're messages of God. They want to hear the message of the devil. They'll keep telling them how good they are, how perfect they are, how they battle with the melt in their mouth. But God wants to speak the truth. So we have a blind spot, and I've showed about being blind spots when I spoke before, when we had the exercise about having the dot and the, and the cross and putting one hand over the eye and bringing it close. One disappears, what you're focusing on, the other disappears, and what we're focused on. And what I'm saying is that we're sit, this is the condition that people sit in spiritual uh, gatherings. Okay? And the Lord says you need to have the Holy Spirit to illuminate you. And when we say, my little light's going to shine, I'm going to let this light shine. The way we let the light shine is if we're, our character reflects Jesus' character. If we're showing love, if we're feeding the hungry, if we're giving drink to the thirsty, if we're visiting the prisoners, if we're looking at people but, but with no, no price connected to, we're not doing it because of what we can get out of it, we're doing it because it's a natural act of what the Holy Spirit does out of us, flowing out of us, and we're doing these things genuinely, selflessly, without wanting to even to be commended and be, and be uh, uh, celebrated, that's the actions. When we speak kind words, that is letting our light shine. When we forgive, that's when we let our light shine. When we speak about the love of God, that's when we let our light shine. When we're not judgmental, that's when we let our light shine. I wish I can go on all day. Hallelujah, praise God. Can we have some of the lights now back on? I think the people watching live stream, they don't know what's going on here. See how the lights, you know, it's, it's a bit painful straight away. And that's what happens to people in darkness. When Christ comes, I turn away, I can't look at That's what happens. It's uncomfortable. Bible study is there to make us uncomfortable. To get us to think about where we are with God. It's not where you are with me. Or where I am with you. My measure, my level to measure my growth is Jesus Christ. It's not looking at someone who's slightly not maybe as, as committed as I am and measure my commitment on them. No. My commitment is measured on the cross. It's the cross is the measure that I measure my life. Everything Jesus said on the cross, that's what I measure my life on. Everything Jesus did, that's what I measure my life on. Not on anyone else, any person outside of Jesus. Because Jesus is the standard that we need to live by. Hallelujah, praise God. I wish this message had spoken to you. And let me just finish on Melchizedek very quickly. Uh, let me go back to Genesis chapter 18, 14, verse 18. Abraham. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, bought out bread and wine. Who, did, who, who is this represents? Jesus Christ at the Last Supper. When he brought the bread and wine, he broke the bread. He said, this is my body. He gave them the wine. Prefigurement of what wasn't to ensue come about at the Last Supper through the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, 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 and the book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1, it says this. 
For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, king and priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. What kings did he slaughter? Every passion. He was slaughtering the passions. It's a symbol and metaphor. Passions. Yes, there was a, a historical event, but we have to slay the kings that reign over us, which is not Jesus Christ. The king of envy sometimes has to be slain. The king of anger, some anger sometimes has to be slain. The king of jealousy has to be slain. The king of addiction has to be slain. We not only have four kings, we have multitudes and ranks of kings we have to slay. And how do we slay them? With the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's the word of God that helps us slay and bring down these powers, praise God. Hallelujah. So B, get the sword of the, the word of God is more than able to set us free, to separate truth from error. And he says, King, King of Salem. And then he says, verse 2, watch this. To whom also Abraham gave him a tenth part of all. He gave him a tenth part of all. Everything he had, he gave him a tenth part. Meaning that we give unto God. And we're not only called just to give a tenth part to God. We're called to give our lives to God. We're called to give our everything to God. Because it doesn't belong to us. No one's taking anything with them. First being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem being king of peace. He's the peace. He's the king of peace. He's the prince of peace, praise God. That surpasses understanding that Paul speaks of in Philippians. And verse 3, very quickly. Without father, without mother. And it says, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but made himself like the son of God, remains a priest continually. And Jesus, our high priest, Jesus did not have a mother in the heavenly realm, but he had a physical mother. He did not have a father in the physical realm, but he had a father in the spiritual realm. Praise God, his father. Praise God that he prayed to. Hallelujah. And so we need to take this and embrace and say, Lord, your word is so true. Look at the fulfillment of prophecy. We have to trust you. We may not fully understand you, but we have to trust you. We have to serve you. And oftentimes we decide the boundaries we serve God in. I'm not my own person. I don't get up and I don't have a choice. We don't have a choice, really. If we want to serve God, we must serve God wholeheartedly, not just partially or just when it suits us. We've got to make time to serve God. We've got to put time aside to serve God and see the outcome, the blessings that will be replenished a hundred billion fold in his mercy, in his love, according to his truth. Let's stand together. Praise God. If the praise team join me, and I'd like to ask uh, Reverend Chuka to come. In.